Hello everyone, this is Jordan Knox and welcome back to KRNL Talks Lifestyle. I am so excited that you are listening today because we have an amazing team from Wholesome. But before we get started, I want to extend a special shout out to our sponsor, Pops Resale. Now without further ado, here is our conversation. Hi, I'm Joanna Ashford. I am the recycling coordinator here at the University of Kentucky. Kevin Puckett. I'm a senior communications officer at the Center for Applied Energy Research. Hi, I'm Shane Tedder. I'm the campus sustainability officer. Awesome. And I'm so excited to be here talking to some of the representatives from Wholesome. I would love to start by Joanna, if you could please give me a background on what Wholesome is um, and your message. Yeah, Wholesome is really kind of this unique sustainability blog of sorts. This truly started because I really wanted a blog here at UK where we could talk about sustainability um, in a really authentic way, talk about the process of sustainability where it's not always clean and easy. It does get a little bit messy. And so sustainability is this unique platform to be able to have these conversations about sustainability and also interact with our campus. We we want to make decisions about sustainability based on what our campus wants and desires. And so this is that unique platform to be able to interact and engage with campus in a truly unique and different way. And Kevin, why did you think um, the UK Center for Applied Energy really has a piece in this, in that message delivery? Well, uh, first of all, just really fortunate to be a part of Wholesome and such a collaborative, uh, talented group of people. Uh, and when Joanna and Shane came to us with this. We were excited because collaboration is a really big part of what we do. We work a lot with business, academia, industry, and this fit just right in. Um, and one of our major priorities in our research that, that we do is environmental stewardship. And that, you know, whether it's making coal into carbon fiber or uh, algae into biofuel, concrete from coal ash, we have a lot, pretty much all of, all the research we do has an environmental element. And we were really on board for making this a, a way to connect, connect campus uh, in, in a really powerful way. For you, Shane, obviously sustainability is the main focus. So what is your um, impact on this? Well, I, I tell people all the time, Jordan, that I, I serve as connective tissue for the campus. I know a little bit about a lot of different things, but I know the people that know a lot about each of those things. And so Wholesome really provides a platform to highlight that. And so each post really goes deeper into one of those areas where we know somebody that knows a lot about something and having it be so well produced. I mean, Kevin and his, his team put together really a top flight um, experience, web-based experience to find these stories. And the rest of the team did a great job of kind of thinking through the architecture and how it might be organized, but um, really hats off uh, on the development side uh, which really, you know, I think the brilliance of the development matched the brilliance of Joanna's idea and thinking that the campus needed this. And my work has, has really been easy on this project. And it's just kind of bringing the people and the projects that I know about into the pipeline so that they get highlighted on this platform. I think one of the most beautiful things about the platform and about Wholesome um, is that it covers so many disciplines of sustainability and especially sustainability on our campus. Why was it important for you, Joanna, maybe you can speak to this, to unify all of those disciplines and to make sure each one is highlighted? Like, for example, each of you write kind of under a different branch, so to speak. Um, can you speak to that a little bit? 
So sustainability there, like Shane said, that being that connective tissue piece, it, it covers so many different areas. And the longer I've been here, the more I continue to make these relationships with people across campus. And, um, you know, so often we can get bogged down with the day-to-day grind of what I need to do for my department. Um, and so for me, that's a missed opportunity of not being engaged with other people on campus to be able to make that information go farther, um, to really make that communication piece stronger. So for me, this was a, a really unique opportunity to bring together all of these different worlds. And I think we oftentimes call it silos, where we're all in our little silo. And so this is that that place where you can come and, and if you don't know anything about recycling and waste reduction, or you don't really even care about recycling and waste reduction, there's still something for you. But also the important thing for me is that waste and recy- recycling information is still there in a way that if you don't care about it, maybe you might find something there that can get you kind of started along that path of learning something new. So um, I like to think that this platform has information about lots of things on lots of different levels where you can challenge yourself to learn new things, um, but also dive into a topic and really, really learn something new if you're an expert in that topic too. And I think one of the topics that I kind of dove into when exploring Wholesome was actually one of your articles. So you cover like general sustainability tips. And I really loved the article on Willie T being zero waste. Can you speak to a little bit about writing that? And does other buildings on our campus have this potential to be a zero waste building? Well, thank you. Uh, it is one of my favorite pieces, um, mainly because it was a really fun project to work on it. And this is that piece about we want to kind of highlight the process where uh, I was able to enroll W.T. Young in this, this um, competition of sorts to become a zero waste building. Um, and it stretched not only what W.T. Young was doing, but maybe also some of the ideas that I like to call maybe a pilot um, to, to get it started. And then once, once it's in place, you know, it just is in place. And then that's the new project. So W.T. Young definitely is a challenge. It's a 24-7 building. Lots of students in our community are in and out of that building. So to be able to get it up um, started up with recycling. Um, we've got Starbucks in there, I believe, like the largest Starbucks in Kentucky is in there. Um, so to be able to get their, their coffee grounds and start working with them from that angle. Um, and then the unique part for me was getting those brown paper towels from the bathroom collected and composted. It was something we've never done before. That truly was a pilot project to kind of um, make people aware of that type of waste, what we can do with it, and the huge potential that our our campus has to be able to collect and and compost that. Um, It definitely was a starting point, but based on that, we've now had buildings approaching us wanting to be enrolled in that competition. So it's almost starting a new standard on campus of who gets to be the next building that we get to tackle this big issue. So uh, thanks for reading that article. And it was a lot of fun writing and and also working with all of those, those partners in that building. Of course. Well, hats off to you. I mean, to not only start with such a large building and a huge task, um, but now to spread it around our campus. That is so, so amazing. And Kevin, I loved one of your articles. You mentioned earlier about re-engineering concrete and how um, the UK Center for Applied Energy Research has done that. Can you speak to that a little bit? Sure. Uh, We've got an entire research team dedicated to materials. And one of those big materials is uh, taking uh, coal ash from ponds. I didn't know this till, till I worked there. They dump it. They've been dumping it for years into ponds and things. And it's just leftover 
uh, waste from that. And so basically taking those materials, combining it with some other things and using it for concrete, uh, therefore having lower CO2. And CO2, I believe it's the second highest amount of CO2 that's emitted in our world is from concrete, uh, which, which I didn't know that either. Uh, so, so yeah, uh, it, it's, it's, it's a wonderful thing we do and, and we work with private, uh, and industrial, uh, partners on that to get it licensed. And, uh, we worked with, um, Minova in Georgetown on, um, our, our rapid fire, uh, concrete as well, uh, where they can go in where say like a firefighter in a burning building can spray some, some of the parts of the building that have gone down, they'll spray it. And then, so it's a temporary safe area to go into to our wooden fall down. And that's been patented through us and, and Minova. So it's pretty exciting stuff. That is so amazing. And I love to hear those implications. Well, Shane, you seem to cover it all on the platform, including having a presence on YouTube, which I really enjoyed watching your video. Um, can you tell me more about that, including a specific piece called um, How to Make Sustainable Decisions, where you showcase some of the initiatives you've seen during your 20-year career? You know, that piece was really... The thought behind it was um, to make sustainability feel a little less intimidating. You know, I think I think I started that by saying the first thing to keep in mind is you don't have to be perfect. I think that there can be a perception that that it's just overwhelming to try to live a sustainable lifestyle because it requires so many changes. And so we want to combat that to say, you know, it really should just start wherever your passions are and that every decision that you make has impacts. And that if you're thoughtful about the decision, you get to be intentional about what kind of impacts your choices are going to make. And so if you're geeked out on food, start with food. If it's fashion and shopping, start there. If it's waste reduction, start there. If it's, you know, you really want to live a car-free lifestyle, start there. And, you know, I think there are just such diverse resources for any one of those decision-making areas on campus Everything from, you know, the applied approach of, well, you know, you get a green to-go container for your meals to the really theoretical research-based, this is what, these are the emerging cutting-edge questions in local food systems. So you can plug in anywhere on that spectrum from what's the thing that makes my daily decisions easier to what's a career look like helping really elevate this area of sustainability. And so that piece was really meant to do two things. One, like lower the barriers to entry in people's minds, right? Like you don't have to be perfect. And then two, highlight the fact that if you want to go down one of these roads, the resources here at this university are absolutely fantastic. And, you know, we're all here for the students. And so once a student starts showing interest in something, our, you know, our people will bend over backwards to open doors and create pathways for that to happen. And and I, you know, I think students sometimes maybe feel a little intimidated by accessing like administration at a place as big as UK. But what I hope they find, because it's what I see every time it happens, is that when they do make those connections, they realize immediately that all of us are hardwired to jump in that direction and say, that's why we're here. You know, if you're trying to differentiate yourself, if you're trying to have an impact and, you know, create a pathway forward that's going to set you up for success, we are here for that. And so we wanted to wanted to convey those two key points with that piece. And I know I definitely felt that as a student who already, you know, thinks about so many different things. 
the fact that it was just simplified and I could take one thing away from it that maybe could change something in my life, like using the green containers and using those all last year and, you know, taking that extra step of composting or recycling or had an impact on me. So I really appreciate that. But I would love to know how you already have felt progress being made with the Wholesome platform or maybe with these initiatives that you have talked about. How have you um, seen it grown? Wholesome has allowed us to celebrate those stories in a way that makes them accessible in the long term to the campus community. I think with the strategic goal that as the community engages with those successes, it will enhance and elevate success in other areas. And so what I'm hearing more consistently is I had no idea we were doing all this. And so for Wholesome to fill that gap, to be a place where you can go and in a really engaging and um, dynamic way, learn about what we're doing, to hear UK Healthcare's Chief Diversity Officer talk about why, why social justice and social equity are a foundation for sustainability, to hear Coach Calipari talk about how that works into his world in, at the highest levels of D1 athletics, and then to hear the president talk about why it's a priority for the campus, all kind of networked together with stories about W.T. Young being zero waste and the work that we're doing on research with concrete, like to have all that stuff networked together in one place has been a game changer for us. It was a like it was a level change. So we leveled up in terms of how we communicate as an institution when we launched Wholesome. And that's not I'm not exaggerating to say that we now have a new tool that allows us to communicate a very complex subject in a very captivating and engaging way. And there just aren't many schools that have that tool in their toolbox. And I'm very deeply grateful uh, to my two other guests on the show today for their uh, foundational work in making it possible. Well, and if I can just add to that, I love the opportunity that this gives our students to be able to also participate in um, in Wholesome in writing and talking about the issues that matter to them. Um, you know, I, for example, one of my interns, Olivia Tessie, wrote a great three-part piece on zero-waste swaps that she's done in her life. So again, it's not me as an administrator talking to students about this is what you should do. This is a student coming to students and saying, this is what I've done and this is what works for me. Um, and so I love that this also gives our students a voice where it might be too complicated to get an article somewhere, an op-ed somewhere, and, and Wholesome is a little bit of an easier time to be able to write about things that matter to them. And when it matters to them, I think their writing comes across in a different point of view that really speaks to their other students too. So I, I really love that piece of students coming to us wanting to be able to talk about what matters. I, I love to, you know, I think Shane had an article about sustainability and kind of defining it. We define this on the website of sustainability being a lot more broad than just environmental sustainability. And I, I kind of see it as we love, love our neighbor. Uh, you know, when we take care of the environment, we're helping our neighbor. Uh, when we take care of each other through social justice or income disparity or economic problems, you know, those are all sustainable things. Sustainability is looking forward. Um, and as we come together, you know, and as this thing grows, that's what we're trying to do is try to work together and, and, and help help our students, help our state. I love how it's all encompassing. 
Um, but I'd love to know, you mentioned earlier, Kevin, you mentioned collaboration among the whole university. And Shane, you mentioned collaboration in the community. How important really is buy-in from these key stakeholders? And how have you already achieved that? I'll, I'll get it started there to just say, I think the content speaks to the buy-in. You know, my, my comments earlier about Takia and Coach Cal and the president, those are some highlight pieces, but they also highlight the fact that those people took a look at this thing and said, yeah, I want to I want to contribute my voice to this project. I, I want to get behind that. So that buy in has been critical. Um, the community buy in, I think we're still moving in the direction of, of realizing that full potential. Um, I'm I'm spinning my wheels a little bit trying to pinpoint like the article that where we've done that the best so far. I think Tree Week, if we had a Tree Week piece up, um, that's a really neat intersection of community and campus efforts um, that was highlighted there. And I, I think more of that is to come. I mean, obviously we start close to close to home. Um, but we all collaborate broadly in the community and finding the right way to bring those messages in is definitely something that we'll do. Um, how do you suggest your, your audience as well as ours to educate themselves on what they've learned and to bring action into their own social groups? One of the other pieces, and I think I, I continue to say this only because I love all of the pieces of Wholesome, um, but one of the things um, Kevin and I brainstormed a lot about when we were working on the the style of the posts and what they need to look like and some of the criteria around the posts was that all of our posts need to have some sort of a take action. Um, it doesn't, and that take action doesn't have to be like, go out and plant a tree today. That could be a little overwhelming for some folks. Um, it could be learn more and here's the resource to learn more or go take a walk outside and even see what trees we have on campus or the, ways to get in involved and the ways to take action are limitless, but it's important that each author comes up with some sort of take action piece. And so we, we felt that was really important that we didn't want to be a source where people could come and just gain more knowledge. We wanted people to, to come to gain more knowledge so they could go do something. Um, and so that speaks back to what Shane was saying about what are you passionate about? The, the site allows you to be able to search um, different categories. We make sure to tag things so that you can search it to see like, okay, well, I'm really interested in alternative transportation. And so you can search that and then see a post that one of our students wrote about the best ways to get around on campus as a new cyclist. So there's all sorts of different connection points so that you find what you're passionate about, figure that out, find an article, and then that article has very tangible, realistic ways for you to take action as not only somebody on campus, but also a community member too. So for someone not in this field, someone very maybe new to sustainability even, um, how do you suggest that they stay current and engaged and are able to ask those cutting edge questions that all of you get to ask every day? I think for me, it starts with um, knowing that every decision you make is connected in this spider web sort of way to global systems and issues, whether that's social, economic, or environmental systems and issues. If you know we can go through life feeling like our decisions are disconnected and they only impact us, but really like that's that's having some blinders on. So I think the way to stay connected to the cutting edge is to just embrace the fact that your decisions have impacts. 
and to know as much about those impacts as you can so that you can be intentional about the impacts that your choices are having. And I think that's a great place to start because it's a personal place to start and it's an empowering place to start. So once you realize that your decisions have impacts, maybe you were making decisions for a set of reasons, whether it was convenience or habit or price point or, you know, any number of other reasons why we do things. You took the time to investigate those, tweaked it a little bit, and now you understand that, oh, the money I was spending on fruits and vegetables is now going directly to this person that I know and they're taking care of land that's in my community and that's got air quality and water quality benefits for me. So you start to see this like closed loop system. Um, and, I, I, and I think that closed loop system is a concept that you can also pursue to stay at the state of the edge of things, right? So we're used to linear um, consumptive processes where raw material is extracted from the earth, turned into a product, used temporarily and then dumped in a landfill and so you've got this linear progression um, that is ultimately reductive in terms of the amount of resources that are available if you bend that arrow into a circle and have the end product you know you design the product in the first place knowing that when it's done it can become something else like that's that's a little bit revolutionary and pun is intended there um, to keep it circular uh, i think so I think if you're if you're pushing in that direction, how do I how do I contribute to a circular economy? You're going to stay at the state of the edge of this thing for sure, and that can happen right down at the level of personal choice. And so that's kind of fun because you don't have to become a PhD in something. You can just care about your transportation choices or your food choices and do so in a way that you're pushing more towards circular than linear. Yeah, and. I Kind of, kind of to zag, but definitely connected. I, I just always think about my, my wife's ninety-three-year-old grandma, uh, who lives in that circular world. She was a child of the depression. She saves her bean seeds. She uh, saves uh, plastic bags from from bread and uses them for whatever she needs. And it's just her way of life. Uh, and I just see the peace and pace at which she goes. I wouldn't say she's on the cutting edge of, you know, anything really, but she, she lives in a way that I think that we've, we've been agrarian way that we've kind of lost track of in our modern day where they lived in a lot more cyclical kind of fashion. And I strive to just kind of be, be more like her. Uh, I mean, she, uh, she's, uh, she's not rich, but she owns her house now. She owns her car. And she did it slowly and surely. And she's she's at peace, you know, she's 93. She keeps on going. Well, and I, I love that story, Kevin. Um, and <laughs> I think if there's anything we can take from that is that slowing down to make it happen. Um, I, like I would also just add to that, um, that it sometimes can be a really slow process. Um, and it's can sometimes, Shane referenced this, if it can be overwhelming, but it's also, okay to make mistakes too. Like we're not going to be perfect in the sustainability world. And I think sometimes for newcomers coming in and reading some of these articles and learning about this process, it becomes overwhelming of like, oh my God, I cannot remember to do all of this all at once. And that's okay. And something that we 
we talk about often is we don't need um, everybody doing zero waste perfectly. We need a handful of people doing zero waste imperfectly. We just need everybody to make that one extra choice to do that one extra step um, to get us closer to that, that goal of zero waste or whatever the, the sustainability goal is. But it's okay to make mistakes. It's okay to reach out for help. And that's what we hope this wholesome platform is, is that resource. Um, and also that lifeline of like, I have questions, I wanna do more, where do I go and how do I get that information? I love how you spoke to that so beautifully. It is those small steps that looking behind us and seeing how they made those small steps and then to implement those into our lives, I think is really, really amazing take on this. But you've already kind of talked about, Shane, you definitely covered that personal journey into sustainability and connecting your passion to sustainability. Can you tell me how you did that personally, how you connected your passion for sustainability and eventually turned it into a career? You know, probably 17 years ago, I was being interviewed by a student DJ at WRFL and they asked the same question. And that was the first time I had been asked that question. And, um, and I thought about it for a long time because I had never thought about it before. And it came back to Kevin's story about his grandmother. I grew up in a rural part of Kentucky, surrounded by folks that were three generations older than me, who were all basically depression era. And so while I grew up in the late 70s and early 80s, the community that I grew up in was pre-World War II in its culture. And the pre-World War II culture was incredibly resilient um it was you know really had a strong social foundation so this rapport between neighbors um was really strong and there really was no waste i mean their economies were circular um and I, you know I, I held up a cool whip container while kevin was talking because that's what my mother-in-law sent my lunch in today and it reminds me of my grandmother because she never threw one of those things away she ate like she would get like the free labels that they send you in the mail with your address on them, you know, and she wouldn't throw that away ever either. And so she would label all her cool whip containers with her free return address stickers that she would get in the mail. But, you know, all that to say, as I thought about that, it was growing up in that type of community um, gave me a land ethic and a social ethic that I didn't have words for because as a kid, that's just the way the world is, right? And so growing up there, like that's just the way the world is. As I traveled out and around the world as a young adult, I realized, no, that's not the way the world is everywhere. And then as I got into college, like I realized there was a word for that, that like that way of living, those sort of ethics um, had been rebranded as sustainability. Um, just kind of embraced that. It made sense to me. I've always kind of had a personal ethic of leaving things better than I found them. And this was a way to do it. And I was leaving a meeting as a undergraduate student. It was a it was UK Green Thumb, actually. They're still around. It was a student environmental club meeting. And a friend of mine was handing out flyers for a job where you could coordinate the residential recycling program for 10 bucks an hour. So I took one of the flyers, I applied for it, I got the job, and then this career has snowballed from that moment. And so I uh, was offered a graduate assistantship, did that for a couple of years and continued to build out some programming. And then was offered a full-time job with student affairs, um, which is no longer called student affairs, but 
it was back then. And then uh, the university created a campus-wide sustainability coordinator position in 2009, and I was well positioned to compete for that job uh, when it came open and um, was lucky to get it and have been here ever since. That's so amazing that you have that such a, amazing role models growing up, which I think not a lot of people have. I mean, I was from a rural era, era as well, and we, you know, kind of looked at sustainability as something that was very on the back burner. And so coming to college and having those questions myself, but never really having the places to ask them, I think, especially coming to Wholesome was really in seeing your platform. And I've seen your platform before you even talk today, but um, was really a game changer and something that I could ask questions and I could be curious and not have to worry about facing any kind of repercussions or judgment or not being perfect, like you said. So Joanna, can you answer it a little bit? Yeah, I think, um, so I did not grow up in Kentucky or even rural, but also I grew up in Orlando, Florida. And so um, really wasn't exposed to, you know, anything outside of Disneyland for a long time. Um, but I, I grew up with sustainability because of my dad. I mean, he had, we had a greenhouse on the back of our house. We had a garden in the backyard. We had rain barrels, we recycle. I mean, all of these things that Shane just referenced were part of my growing up, even though it was in the middle of Orlando. And so again, I thought this was the way that everybody grew up. I thought it was common knowledge. If you needed a snack, you just went in the backyard and you picked a carrot out of the ground or like you got fruit off of a tree. This, you know, that's normal, right? And um, I, I am not a graduate of UK. I actually went to Campbellsville. Um, here in Kentucky, um, smaller. And, and then I kind of got, you know, Shane and I are reversed. You know, he started rural. I started Orlando. I went to, to a small town, Kentucky, um, a little bit of a culture shock going from Orlando to, um, Campbellsville, Kentucky. Um, but that is where I realized it's not normal. It, it wasn't normal that people lived the way that I did. Um, and it also was the place where I was able to connect with nature. Again, growing up in, in Orlando, everything's paved and buildings and a theme park and amusement and, um, you know, being in Campbellsville, it's a slower pace. Um, it's, it's wider, it's opener, it's uh, being able to work at Clay Hill Memorial Forest and be one of their interns for a number of years helped me kind of realize this is this is what I want to do. This is what I want to protect. This is the, the area I want to be in. Um, and so fell in love with nature and fell in love with Kentucky. And so after graduation was able to work at a local nonprofit, um, working in sustainability and, and have kind of stayed within this realm here in Kentucky, married a Kentuckian. And so I'm stuck here, I'm staying. Um, but it, it, it truly is. It's one of those things that, um, I was raised with it. And so as a mom of two, I feel that pressure to be also pass that on to them as well. I want them 30 years from now to be sitting on, on a podcast or whatever they're doing in 30 years um, and, and talk about, I was raised with that. And that's why I love nature because my mom instilled that in me too. As opposed to Shane and, and Joanna, my career, my, my job as a designer and marketing professional and stuff, I mean, I have to kind of wear a lot of different hats and sustainability is a part of that with CER, but it's not, you know, it's direct, but you know, it's always been something that's been important to me, especially, you know, I grew up in, in rural Kentucky, Clark County, semi-rural Kentucky. We were, we were the burbs. We tried to be Lexington, but we weren't. It really changed for me when I went to Berea College and, you know, their dedication. And I, I feel like the liberal arts college, and Joanna can probably agree on this, is, is that cyclical thinking. They apply that 
to everything, right? So you have an idea, you implement the idea, you execute it, and then what, you know, you, 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 it, it, it grows like a spiral kind of. And I feel like this wholesome project just represented that perfectly, which has got me so excited. Um, you know, when I build a brand and when I build a brand with, with these, these great folks here, you know, try to grow it and bear fruit. And I feel like sustainability is also in design. And that's, and, and, and when, you're, when you're building it, you know, you try to be a good steward of creative energy, try to be, um, try to respect the past and then look forward. Um, you know, and I feel like with this project, it, it aligns, it aligned really well with, with that, with that ethos that we're talking about of the cyclical bit and it connects these moving parts. And, you know, I feel like we, we, we planted the seed and, uh, you know, we're getting people connected and talking and, and, you know, it just gets me really excited because I, I feel like it, it aligns why, why I came to UK, you know, from, uh, from the, the design field is, is for projects like this to, to, to work together, to build something great. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for all of you joining me. I have sincerely appreciated hearing from each one of you and your stories are beautiful. I'm so, so excited to see what's being released next. Can you please let my audience know where they can find out more, what we can look out for in the future? Yeah, so I definitely encourage everybody to check out Wholesome. That's W-H-O-L-E-S-U-M ky.org. Um, and so what's coming next? We are working on a unique series about a challenge grant that was received for plastic recycling here on campus, and it's actually chemically recycling. Um, so it's kind of a series to kind of go through the whole process of how do we go from getting this grant all the way to beyond. Um, there's definitely some interesting and cool news on the front of solar coming to UK's campus um electric chargers shane what else do you have in the pipeline hmm, we've got a story today that dropped about the university's uh commitment to greenhouse gas emissions reductions and kind of the origin story for that commitment which is really student leadership is the foundation of that origin story and so today's article does a really good job of looking back um on the student leadership that helped propel us to where we are now relative to our commitments so this will be a little bit of a sneak peek. Um, uh, we're kind of scooping myself here, but there will be a, a sustainable investing class next year, and there'll be an article about that coming soon. In terms of staying plugged into it, I get an email every time a new story drops. And so there's a way to sign up for that on the site so that when new material is uploaded, you get a quick email to say, hey, there's a new post on this site. Um, and I love that. And, you know, it's every post has a comment section at the bottom, too. And so, like, find one that you love and engage with it. And the author and the people that are involved in that story are going to start writing you back. And so it's a chance to have a dialogue with the community, too. And I'm glad you asked that question because we hadn't really gotten into that yet. We talked about the take action steps, but we want you to take action right there on the blog and start a conversation with the people that wrote the piece that are doing the work. And that's a neat part about it, too. I would mention too, Shane, um, if you're if you have a story or an article or or something you want to talk about, uh, if you go to the website, the top says start a combo, fill that out. It goes to Joanne and her team, and you know we'll reach out to you and become an author. I mean, become a guest author, become a contributor. It's a great opportunity for students to get their writing out there, and uh, we'd love to have you. Man, I wish you could hear head nods. <laughs> <laughs>
because Joanna and I are both rocking our heads. Like the the yes, the snaps that we were providing for Kevin putting the shout out to go ahead and write your own piece is is great, and we totally agree. So amazing! But thank you guys so much for joining me. It has been an absolute pleasure. Wow, they are so amazing, and I learned so so much from talking and learning each one of their stories. Before we go, I just want to let you know what's going on on campus. If you are staying around for this fall break, on the 27th, there's stuff with plush. And then starting in November, on the 2nd, is Potato Day, which sounds really fun. On the 3rd is Bingo. And on the 4th is Eat Around the World. I am super excited for those events and have an amazing rest of your week. Bye-bye.